first two people I'd met were um, Dick and Edge. Dick is Edge's brother. And then I met Bono. Bono said he could play guitar, but he didn't have one. Dick and Edge had built a guitar, which was the most incredible looking machine you've ever seen in your life. I met Adam and I got so excited when I saw him because he had bushy blonde hair. He was wearing he had tinted glasses and a really long Afghan coat and all the beads and all the gear. And he just looked so cool. And I said, I want to be in a band with him. All right, welcome to the At YouTube Podcast, episode 12. We are talking all things U2, album news, tour dates, community discussions from the staff and folks involved with at U2.com. We just heard Mr. Larry Mullen Jr. talking about how they started, where and how they started U2 and who he first met. And by way of introduction, I wanted to introduce you to the folks who will be first meeting on this podcast. I don't know who's wearing the Afghan coat tonight, but first up we have uh, Miss Becky, Becky Myers. Welcome to the podcast, Becky. Maybe. <laughs> Uh-oh. Becky, yes. are you there? Glad to be here. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. Yes. That's not a good start. We'll uh, play with Skype. Uh, Jill, are you there? Is there someone named Jill? Hi, I'm here. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Jill. And uh, Sherry, are you still out there? I am not invisible, Chris. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> All right. So we have uh, Becky and Jill on for the first time, if I'm not mistaken, to the podcast. I am. And I just want to say I'm not wearing an afghan, but I am wearing a Lady Gaga shirt, though. That's close enough, I think. Okay, cool. <laughs> Has anybody made their own guitar? I haven't made my own guitar. I can't. No, can't say I've done that. Oh, okay. So, by way, what we do for folks who are on the show for the first time is kind of get a, a read on where you started with uh, U2. And so we'll start, Becky, with you. What's, um, what was sort of your introduction to U2, and, and when did you fall uh, into crazy fandom that you would appear on a podcast about you two, <laughs> how, how deep does this go? Well, okay. So I met you two when I was in high school, about the same time they were in high school or finishing school. And um, liked them a lot. But then when I got into college and they came out with their war album, I think, that's when I really fell in love with them. And then as soon as I could after that, I started following them around on tour. Um, became really kind of a crazy fan hard to say uh probably since the joshua tree i think um you know all you have to do is hit one live show and you're hooked right mm -hmm. so that did it for me and uh it's just been it's crazy to think that it's 39 years already with these guys uh i haven't been around with them quite that long but <laughs> not too far off <laughs> i just realized i'm so, 39 actually so it's like I'm, i was born the same year you two started <laughs> Interesting. Um, cool. Okay, Jill. Same question to you. What's when were you in, first into got introduced to you two, and and uh, how how did you come to this crazy place of being on a podcast? Um. Well, crazy is definitely like the best word to describe it because people do think I'm like crazy when it comes to them. Um. I had heard of them, you know, like you know, like growing up. It's like you'd hear their songs on the radio, but I wasn't, you know actively paying attention to them. But I remember my senior year of high school when I started driving, this was 2002. Um, my best friend, Jeremy, who lived at the corner of my street, he had the, um, the greatest hits, um, the 1990, 2000 album. And he just had it and he was like, Oh, we should listen to this when we're go like going to school and everything. And I remember hearing it and beautiful day was like the one song that stuck out to me. And I was like, this song is great. And I'm like, how have I not, ever listened to them before ever and 
at that point, it was just like full on, like, like everything. And then once I was in college, that was the year, um, um, the year I had this massive atomic bomb came out and it was changed my life. Like it turned me into the fan that I am now. It's my favorite album. And I've got two YouTube tattoos to prove it. And I'm getting my, I'm getting my third YouTube tattoo when I go to Dublin. I already know what I want it, like what it's going to be. I have it like designed and I can't imagine my life without them. And like people think it's weird to say that about a band, but unless you're, unless you understand music, unless you are this passionate about an artist that you follow, it's, you can't describe it. I feel like I'm like rambling about it, but it's, it's on a whole other level. Yeah, well, that's awesome, and that's it's great. I think for I I find anyways for as maybe a not a a long time fan. Like I was more of an Actung baby introduction to you two, and then sort of went backwards and forwards as many people do. Um, but it's great to hear people who fall in in love with this band from different eras and albums that me myself like. How did Dismantle Atomic Mom wasn't like my most favoriteest album ever or whatever, but it was definitely up there. And so it's it's fun to hear that that was like your introduction to like going all in that you actually got tattoos even of this band. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Uh, Sherry's still trying to figure out which song she likes best, I think is where she likes it. Oh, I've got to come up with a, uh, with a playlist. <laughs> um, uh, I've, been I've been asked to contribute one to a particular website and I'm all really freaked out about it so I have to come up with a 13 14 track playlist of of if I were to die tomorrow what I would want everybody to know why I love this band oh and my uh and uh I'm 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 still figuring that out Chris but as soon as I know you'll know all right well that's I look forward to reading that i guess and uh then we'll probably discuss on the podcast too because that'll be that'll be a good uh i'll save it for the podcast save it for the podcast exactly (laughs) um i'm fighting a cold so i apologize in advance for any unnecessary coughs that i don't get away from my mic in time for uh but in the meantime let's get right into the inbox we have a bunch of questions to go through thanks again for folks who are sending in questions to the hashtag ask at you too and uh also people who are emailing questions in you uh one person emailed saying asking Hello, you talk on the podcast about the live streaming of the tour. I've been searching and still cannot find where I can do this live streaming. Can you explain how to access it? I figured out Meerkat, but would enjoy catching the concerts occasionally. Right now, I'm not on Twitter. Thank you so much for helping a fellow fan. So in this case, this person I know we, Sherry and I both actually emailed back. So she's good. But for folks who are listening and kind of curious, and maybe you're not, you're not on Twitter, and that probably is like the main sort of venue for finding out about this kind of stuff these days. It's not like we post a new uh, blog post every time there's a live stream happening or whatever. Um, so it, even if you don't have a Twitter account per se, you can still visit twitter.com slash ATU2 and you'll see the latest tweets from the, tw- the at U2 crew, uh, especially like during concert day or whatever, um, when, when it's happening in whatever time zones that happens to be, cause I don't get time zones, um, <laughs> Sherry or whoever happens to be running the account that day, um, will be tweeting out, you know, song song lists of what's happening, and then also links to uh, updated uh, Periscope video or Mixler audio streams or what else? Uh, meerkats, um, all sorts of weird animals on the web. And uh, anything else, Sherry? That as far as advice for folks that you, I know you emailed her back with yeah, more. Yeah, no. Help. Yeah, no, um, um, that's pretty much it. The key thing here is is that all of those uh, programs. 
whether it's Periscope, Mixler, or Meerkat, when somebody goes live, you can uh, do a, a, a um, social media blast saying, I'm now live on Mixler. Here's my link. So the only way you're really going to find out about those is through social media. Media. And most people will not post that to Facebook. They'll post it to Twitter. They'll post it to um, Instagram. So if you go into one of those two uh, uh, areas and do a search for, say, YouTube Periscope, chances are you will find everything. The trick with Periscope is nobody really wants to be live streaming the entire show. You kill your battery. Your arms hurt. You're not really enjoying the show because you're you know, focusing so much on keeping the phone steady that it's really rare to find one stream. So uh, we end up surfing various different streams throughout the night. And and the newest one that's been popping up on a consistent basis is um, YouTube FanCast. And I know at the last podcast we had talked about them. So they will pop on at random. You don't know at what point, but it's it's like a little Easter egg hunt. And and when they pop on, it's it's usually at a very good perspective, um, usually on the inside of the rail, not on the outside of the rail. Um, and it gives you the best perspective. And it's typically the same person who's responsible for the Sunday Bloody Sunday meerkat. So fingers crossed that that will still continue for the uh, for the next um, however many shows we have. Twenty six shows left uh, for twenty fifteen. Fifty shows down. So that seems to have been the consistent thing from Vancouver all the way through. We haven't seen any new um, emerging technology popping up other than uh, the Meerkat Mixler Periscope. Yeah, and for if you again, if you don't want to sign up for Twitter for whatever reason, people have reasons, and that's fine. Uh, you can also visit periscope.tv slash YouTube fancast, and that's the the Periscope page, and you can watch right on uh, in most modern web browsers, anyways. And uh, and that link will be in the show notes uh, for this episode of the podcast, which you can find at goodstuff.fm slash at youtube slash twelve. And uh, so there is ways to watch. You just have to sort of do the quote unquote, I'm doing air, air quotes here of hard work of <laughs> refreshing and, and visiting the pages yourself or, uh, and like, but if you do want to sign up for Periscope or Meerkat, um, like the app on your phone, Android or iOS, you do generally I think there's still like a Twitter account required to get access to those apps directly. Um, if you want them on your phone. So one way or another, you might have to sign up for a Twitter account. We've been hearing lots and lots of folks, um, through the YouTube, this YouTube podcast, lots of folks who purely only sign up for Twitter because of YouTube, which is kind of interesting. And in all the other podcast stuff I do, which tends to be a little tech geeky stuff, it's kind of like assumed that people are on Twitter, uh, which isn't always a safe assumption, but it's been fun and neat to sort of hear from folks who are sort of on the other side of the sort of Twitter uh, debate or whatever, I guess. So um, anyways, moving on, not, J- not Mason Merritt asked any predictions on songs that could make their tour debut in the next few months. I think stay, uh, what's that one? T. <laughs> Uh, this is where you can reach me right. now. Twilight and Ultraviolet uh, are the suggestions uh, not Mason Merritt suggested. Uh, anybody else have any ideas? Maybe uh, Jill, go go to you. Do you have a uh, thought? Oh my gosh. I'm like, like, I think about the set list all the time and like, I shouldn't because I, I'm just so excited to be there, but I am super like particular. Like I would love to hear a sort of homecoming in Dublin. Like, oh, I nice. need, like, because I, like, need, it's like my second favorite YouTube song of all time. So to hear that live 
I'll, I'll go crazy. Like, I really will. But I would definitely, I would love to hear Ultraviolet again. I loved it during 360. I think it's, it translates just, like, so beautiful live. But, yeah, I mean, a sort of homecoming is, like, it for me. But, again, like, I'm happy with anything, truthfully. <laughs> How about you, Becky? Oh, you know, I'm done with my shows for this year, unfortunately, although I got to see quite a few. Um, I think a sort of homecoming would be fantastic, especially in Dublin. But if I were to go again, I'd like to hear some things that I've never gotten to hear before. Like, I've never heard Hawk Moon 269, and I love that song. Or, um, you know, I think maybe some things out of their really early catalog, which might fit, you know, but it's... I think their show seems so set, certainly through the first half, and then maybe they put in a couple of things in the second part when they're down there on the East Stage. Mm-hmm. But Hawk um, Moon, maybe, uh, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's one that comes to mind, <laughs> though, that I haven't heard. So. Yeah. I think Stay for me is definitely a, a favorite, but it does it, tend, it has popped yeah. up in recent tours. Um, and I love, like you guys have said, Ultraviolet um, for me with the way it was played. Uh, live is just like it was to me it was a great song on the album but even just better on live as most many songs are sherry how about you any songs that you're still well i am yeah i am in shock that stay didn't pop in on that e-stage in berlin i mean for them to have done the um baby love fest the show uh, uh their first show in in berlin with uh launching into Zoo Station coming out of even better than the real thing. Uh, you could just hear that that whole arena just erupt with that. Um, I think that was the night where they played um, seven out of the ten songs off of Octing Baby. So I am in uh, because Stay and the whole the vendors was at Berlin Four. Everybody saying happy birthday to him. I'm really surprised that we didn't have Stay there. So um, maybe when the band's in Cologne, it might make a resurgence. But, um, you know, going back to what Willie Williams said in his uh, interview with Matt uh, a while ago, um, there's still two intermission videos that have not uh, uh, been released yet. And I've... I've got a sinking suspicion that we may see one of the new ones in Barcelona. I think the fly is starting to get a little old. Um, It belonged in Berlin because you come outside of the arena and the Berlin wall is right there. So why wouldn't you do it? Uh, So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that in Barcelona, we're going to see uh, a different video intermission. Yeah, and in the chat room, they're going with their own, some suggestions as well. For, for folks who don't know, the chat room is we record this live Wednesday night, typically around, is this actually 10.30 Eastern, Sherry? Am I off my Yes. Mind? Okay. Um, a Stranger in a Strange Land is one. Uh, Ultraviolet, again, rooting for stay. Um, yeah, and everybody's waiting for stay in Berlin. Yeah, so definitely. See, see for Dublin, Becky and Jill, I do agree with you about a sort of homecoming, but you know, I'm more of, of a rarities type of person. I would love for them to play North and South of the river. Oh yeah. That's a favorite of mine too. Every, I have a guitar buddy of mine who I've been trying to, I mean, you've got the North side, you've got the South side. It, and, and the screen could be the river. I mean, it, it could work. Maybe, uh, uh, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Um, Willie, if you're listening, uh, try to convince the boys of that. It would be brilliant. Yeah. 
There's a buddy of mine I was saying that I used to share, like, send mixtapes to of, of songs I wanted us to cover as a, just our little dumb band. But every single mixtape would have, or CD at the time, would have North and South of the River, some variation, whether it was the Christy Moore version or the YouTube version. He's like, stop sending me this song. I'm sick of hearing it already. Uh, he wasn't as big a YouTube fan, and uh, we're no longer friends. Uh, next question. Dunk Aldridge asked, any more rumors about YouTube dates in the rest of the world? Hopeful uh and uh yeah as as are the rest of us any sherry any more rumors anything we can hang our hopes oh no um they've been very quiet about that uh right now everybody's focusing on the paris broadcasts and the in the upcoming ireland um shows um plus you've got the end of your holidays so you know everybody's in this sort of um countdown to some of the major things to tidy up 2015. Um, the the other wild card that could be going on, Bono has said in some interviews about how his left hand is doing and the way that the nerve um, damage can repair itself. And, it, and typically, you know, you're looking at maybe one millimeter a week and the possibility of needing additional surgery. So we don't know anything about anything um, for good reason. But if that were to happen, uh, that should happen within 12 to 18 months after the injury, which would bring us into a a window of, you know, end of November to to the spring. So I don't know. Um, I will say this though, that the U2.com annual memberships for the majority of fans will start expiring um, around uh, March, April. For the early adopters, we should be getting our renewal notices in about 30 days uh, uh, to tell us you have 30 days to renew. So um I would imagine if they're going to make any kind of announcement, it'll be right around the holidays or just after the holidays. Um, you know, thinking about the Q magazine article where um, uh, the it's the October 2015 article where the uh, where the author says thanks to shows like this talking about the uh, the third night in Boston, uh, the sold out Innocence and Experience tour will now roll on into 2016, but that was by no means guaranteed. So if Q is putting in print that the tour will roll on in 2016, that's the most firm thing in print that we've seen in some of our off off the cuff conversations with certain crew members we've we've been given a wink and a nod yeah we'll see you again here next year but um that's all the info we haven't seen months we haven't seen venues we don't even know countries yet so you know i wish i had some more information and as soon as we do it'll be right on our front page yeah definitely and uh and yeah it's it's sort of reasonable to hope for but until until yeah something's announced don't buy tickets unless you're buying tickets to Dublin and you, you know, you're going to fly there before they've actually announced things like some people have or did not naming and any names. Don't buy them from a scalper. Don't buy them from a travel agency. Don't buy anything from an unofficial source yeah. period. Yeah. If it's not announced on youtube.com there, it's not like there's someone else, someone else that's going to have some sort of secret tie in or whatever. They're going to announce it for sure from their own, uh, their own megaphone, as it were. Um, at Sunkist PTA asked, uh, this is going back way back into when I think one of the first questions submitted. So I, I missed it somehow at the very beginning. And it's one we'll have to cover, I think, in a future episode. We'll put it on the list of things to talk about. But I just wanted to mention it in case 
he or she was ever listening still. Um, how have order of songs on CD correlated to how popular songs have been and if they're played in concerts? And this is, again, one of those things where um, given time and, and research, I think would be make for a great discussion. And we will definitely file that as something to do um, at some point down the road here if uh, we ever run out of tour news and things to talk about on the podcast. But Chris, uh, I will commit for the next week to research that and I'll have an answer for Sunkist PTA next week. Whoa. Okay. Well, there you go. That's, uh, that's great. There you go. Good thing I asked. Uh, next question. At Joe Ahora asked, any idea how many albums and tours remain on U2's contract with Live Nation? Is U2, i.e. tour, or hashtag, yeah, the last tour um, and uh, not sure on the contract details, etc. So anybody have, uh, Sherry, you st- I know in the last couple episodes you've mentioned tours and contracts and stuff. Do you have Thoughts on this? Uh, well, all I know is is that their uh, 360 deal with Live Nation that they signed in 2008 was a 12-year deal, which means it brings them to 2020. Um, I don't know how many albums are left on their formal record contract because that uh, that kind of fell outside of the Live Nation contract. Um, so I don't know, but you know when you have interviews with, um, you know, Adam has said it and now, you know, going back to the Q magazine where, um, um, even Bono's talking about, uh, it being a fair question about, uh, no longer being in, in, in the mainstream, rather going the route of, of say, uh, um, Radiohead or Neil Young and, and, and sort of going independent, who the hell knows, Well, I have an observation, and I think, you know, we were all thinking about this after they got off to their rough start to this tour, and the observation I have is once they got going, and you've seen them just become a juggernaut all over again, and all of the excitement and the fun that they're having, even in New York on the last night, you know, Madison Square Garden, Bono stood up and said, this is the best tour we've ever done. And I was actually surprised to hear that come out of his mouth. But I think that said a lot about how they're feeling about how much they're enjoying this tour and, you know, feeling like once they got over the mountain of getting the album done and released and finally getting on the road, that they really love to do this. Um, They just become different people when they're on the road. And um, I would, I'm going to venture to guess it's not their last tour. I can't say what, those tours will look like in the future, but I think they're still having way too much fun to want to give this up yet. Yeah. Of course, a couple of years, a couple of years from now, that might be different if they continue with versions of this tour through next year and maybe 2017. But yeah, they do seem happy. They're, they're just having fun. As much as we, as YouTube fans sort of like expect, or maybe assume that they'll have, you know, sold out shows and the tours will go great as a band. They genuinely like, it, it kind of sometimes feels like they're just faking it just to like be humble or whatever, but which isn't Bono's strong suit, obviously, but they, uh, you know, that they're genuinely, uh, surprised that so many people are actually coming out to the shows and stuff. And like, um, and it's not an assumption on their part that every city is going to sell out, you know, like Berlin's going to sell four shows or whatever. And, and that kind of stuff, as much as they hope for that, obviously they're still like humans who don't know for sure that the, the album is going to sell like crazy or it's going to go well, or the tour is going to go crazy or go well or whatever. And so, um, yeah, it's fun to see their, their actual sort of reaction to this and seeing how well it is going and, and yeah, like the fun they're having. So there's a lot of confidence in that too. And like that album, cause I feel like no line, it was just, 
I mean, I think No Line was a good album, but I think that with this album and this tour, it just, it's also seamless. And I think there's more kind of like, I don't know, it just works. Like, I feel like 360, like once that like second, like that leg in 2011 happened where it just kind of became sort of like, kind of like a greatest hits tour where it's like, you didn't hear a lot of No Line, but like this act one on this tour is just, to hear all those like new songs and they sound so good live. And I think they're just really proud of how this album came out. And it's like, who cares if you got it like on your iPhone and you didn't want it, like listen to it. Like it's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Do you, you being uh, Jill a little bit younger than myself anyways, as far as like, do you, are you hearing a lot of your friends who the, the media anyways in general would say like, it's all old people at the U2 concerts because U2 is an old band. Right. But like, are a lot of your friends like annoyed that the, album was dumped on them the way the people sort of get it portrayed or is it kind of like i mean i have like it's like my friends can't say on youtube it's almost like i have like my core youtube friends who they get it and then i have my friends who are just like why would you see them more than once it's the same show and it's like it's not the same show it's different and it's but they support it they know i love them and they you know, they're not going to trash them like to my face, but I can see why people would be like, like annoyed about it. But I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like people should just like get over it. Like it's a wonderful album. You should just listen to it. And then I think what annoyed me a lot about this tour, like for the shows that I went to was just people leaving to go to the bathroom to go get beer during, you know, song for someone or any of these new songs that I think are just so wonderful. And it's like, why don't you get the chance to maybe hear it? Like I hated like raised by wolves, like on the album when I first heard it and I would skip it all the time and I heard it live and I was like, this is a great song and I can't stop listening to it. So I just think that people should be a little more open-minded. And I think compared to a lot of the music that's out there right now, the YouTube album is like way better than a lot of the things that are on radio these days. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Well, this is the last place you'd have to apologize for liking YouTube. So don't, don't worry about it. One other thought that I had um, in the Q magazine article, there's a really good quote that Larry provides. And he says, all of a sudden the ship is off of uh, the sand bank. We're floating again. Turns out the songs are as good as we thought they were. And that was a really good synopsis of where they've been in the last nine months, right? Where they were mm -hmm. in in a bad place with the you know the iTunes issues, and then Bono getting hurt and having to delay yet again. But then they get out there and put this on the road, and this vision comes to fruition, even if some of it's been accidental, as I think Willie Williams said in the, the interview with Matt. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's turned out to be quite the show and it's so meaningful on any level and um there are younger people at the shows too it's not just people who are like 50 or older or 45 and older um i've seen a lot of people where i've been that are much younger like 20s and 30s and and it's or been six. really nice to see that or six <laughs> exactly we definitely had some children there uh so i was very happy to see that myself yeah, that's uh, it's. I think for anybody who makes those kind of general, and let's like, I mean, the media is often prone to do that kind of stuff. They kind of work with generalizations as a place to start, and so they weren't obviously at shows and weren't looking at the audiences and seeing the, like you guys have said, the variety of folks there. So, um, 
All right, next question will go uh, at Sheroff asked, the original lyrics for Bad on YouTube.com are to let it go and sort of find a way. Now Bono sings, so not fade away. Have you ever heard him sing the original lyrics of Bad in concert using let it go and so to find a way? I have not so far. Uh, Becky, how about you? Yeah, so I think most people who know me know this song is uh, one of the core songs in my life with these guys. And I've written about it a couple of times on the site. And uh, the, the original lyrics do say, so to find a way. Um, but at some point along the line, I think it was around the Amnesty Tour, um, Bono changed those lyrics. I have actually never been able to find out why. Maybe, sure, you might have some insight on that. But he's basically, since that time, used fade away. And uh, just... I don't know why that is, but my own personal feeling about it is just letting it fade away because of the subject matter of the song then and now is to just let things go, let them fade away, you know. But um, the not fade away, in my mind, when he started using that was so that the person, their friend who had the addiction, um, they didn't want him to fade away. Bono did not want him to fade away. And I think that Somehow he tripped into that lyric, but I've never seen a good story about it or how he has explained that. But I have never heard him actually sing it live, to be honest, the original version. I think that switched around 1985 or before. And that's certainly one of those types of questions. If we were to ever have a Q&A with him, one of these decades, um, you know, it could be something as as simple as when they were recording this, the individual might have still been deep in the throes of the addiction and they wanted him to try to find a way out of it. And then over the course of the next couple of years, he he could have found, you know, a, a better path. And now that you found it, let's just let that memory fade away. It could have been intentional. It's tough right. to know with Bonoisms and, and lyrics, hey? That's what, like, somebody in the chat room uh, said, uh, he changes lyrics all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's sometimes you wonder, okay, it feels like they do a lot of things with intentionality, and so this would be something where he'd do it intentionally. Or maybe he just kind of stumbled on this different lyric that he likes better as when he sings it or emotes it on, you know, live especially, and wants to go with that. And, yeah, we'll save it for the, our Q&A, our retirement tour <laughs> Q&A with with the band or something i don't know uh okay moving on uh before i get into sad thoughts of you two retiring uh eric myers eric myers sorry elizabeth myers i've uh, web design on my brain last night bono was really rubbing his left elbow during bad uh lingering injury or just a mannerism thoughts on his rehab which sherry you kind of covered on a bit earlier but uh any thoughts on uh, what's going on with his left elbow yeah, well, you know, with the injury that he sustained last November, it was all on his left side. So, you know, it could have been a variety of different things. He could have been channeling the uh, emotion and and all of the wrestling in his brain about the accident. Um, he just returned back from Central Park uh, for the Global Citizen Festival, and he actually made a statement from the stage where he acknowledged, you know, that, that he was in Central Park and uh, it's not exactly the uh, safest place to be riding a bike sort of thing. So, um, so, you know, he had 
the the fresh memory of being back in the park where where such a trauma happened and so you know the, perhaps using the song as his therapy and touching the elbow and just and just thinking about you know everything that's gotten him to this point of recovery and you know so so it could have been that maybe it was hurting him uh maybe he had an itch who knows <laughs> Um, but that was a very keen observation for the Berlin four show to have, uh, um, noticed that. Mm -hmm. All right. And one more question, which I think we kind of went down this path a little bit on on a previous episode, but just wondering who is behind the U2 fan cast Periscope. Can you just finally reveal this once and for all, Sherry? And then also, uh, can we predict an entire concert on this medium instead of YouTube on the 360 tour, which, um, I'll, I'll take that second part because I, I feel like um, Periscope Meerkat is a great, interesting medium for being alive. Like this is happening right now. Holy cow, I can't believe I'm watching this as I wash dishes. I have you know, this little device in my hand that is like a credit card basically and I'm watching a video of a band that I love playing across the world. But I don't feel like it's the best medium for like uh, experiencing and showing off what a show is like, especially as much as YouTube kind of gets this medium, this new medium and is experimenting with it. I think they still want like, or at least like edge Bono would love it for, to be like, you know, the sound to be as good as it could be, the video quality to be as good as it could be. And, and probably would still hang on to something like a YouTube live stream, which in theory should be better quality, but, um, just depends how many people are watching and streaming, obviously and all that kind of stuff. But, um, who knows? By the time this tour hits North America again, maybe it'll be we'll be streaming HD video and and things like that, and then you would have the entire concert on there. But we'll see. I think the the order of magnitude of people who are on YouTube compared to Periscope, as much as Periscope feels like it's this crazy huge platform blowing up, there's still so many more millions of people on YouTube that the numbers just wouldn't compare right now. But times change, technologies change. So um, okay, so who's behind the YouTube fan cast once and for all? Come on, Paul McGinnis. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> that is the best. Uh, best. My thought was like someone like a Gavin Friday or whatever too would be another option who's just like being a goof. But it. it Wouldn't yeah. it be great? The last show of 2015, the person finally reveals himself or herself, yeah. and turns it onto them and just gives a big old kiss and say, "Merry Christmas," and you know, yeah. signs off for 2015 that would be brilliant <laughs> how about you guys uh, jill or becky any thoughts on uh, who you think might be behind this mystery cast no but i'm appreciating the feed that's for sure like sherry described earlier the the perspective is fantastic you know they're inside the rail you get video we're not going to get any other way which tells us that somebody with the organization obviously and maybe that maybe it is the same person doing the meerkat i don't know that's what, uh, in the chat room, U2GW says, every time FanCast does the Periscope, the quality is just outstanding. They could absolutely kill it if they engineered it themselves, which, yeah, I agree. That's where, you know, if they, we've talked before about how Bono's an investor with Meerkat indirectly or whatever. And so that's why Meerkat is probably getting used, but um, Periscope maybe would have a better connection technology-wise with Twitter, et cetera, behind it. Who knows? But uh and I do I do have a prediction, though, that they've been toying around with it and testing it out. Based on the demand for Dublin, it would not surprise me if if the Dublin shows are are social streamed in such a way. 
Right. Yeah, that would be an interesting one too. Like where, especially for like their hometown crowds who can't, not enough people can make it out. Tickets are sold out, et cetera. Um, that'd be another way to check just because they, they know they're getting their money from the tickets. Nobody's not buying it because it's going to be on Periscope or something. And so why not show it that way to a whole bunch of people? It'd be awesome if they had some sort of like multi-periscope thing going on where there's like four or five different people around the stadium who are doing it like officially or whatever as well, backstage, et cetera. Wow. But we can dream. So the, so the Adam cam, right. the Larry cam. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like Zoo <laughs> TV come to life, right? Like that's sort yeah. of where, yeah. What, what we, well, the cool thing too, and whoever it is behind it is very generous because you'll have the world's people who are all logging on and watching, typing, more edge, please, more edge, please. And by God, he does scan over to edge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, what about Larry? Hey, let's scan over to Larry. So, so it's a very interesting social experiment to see, well, let's see if we give it to the collective, will they be responsible with it? (laughs) Thus far, I don't believe in, in all of my um, interactions with it. I haven't seen anybody say go for the crotch, which is great. You know, um, you've held back. Um, <laughs> That's a real zoo TV yeah. moment. Like some of the Periscope streams I've watched of other YouTube fans. There's one, I forget which show it was that I was watching. Maybe you guys were watching the same one. That's what's kind of crazy. You kind of see these people hopping from stream to stream and you're like, Oh, Sherry joined again or whatever. But, um, this person was like, you know, I've got like 10% battery. Should I stop now and wait for the encore or do I keep We're going? Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and there was, I noticed there was some fans in there who were like, why didn't you bring another battery? And then other people would be like, he did actually, this is his second battery. Just give him a break or whatever. <laughs> like, kind of arguments within the, the Periscope stream chat or whatever. But yeah, I think it's, it's been a great, like probably eye opener for a lot of other bands who aren't maybe pushing this as a thing and whose fans maybe aren't as aware it seems i know i've, I've mentioned a couple of times on twitter and sort of asked around and it seems somewhat unique to you too i can't imagine it is that unique but um, actually saturday night i i decided um because madonna was in boston and and i couldn't go but i knew some people who were there and there were tons of periscope streams popping up from her show up in boston Okay. So, um, you know, perhaps we're just not actively seeking, but I am noticing a lot more um, more um, indie bands are are using Meerkat. So take that for what it's worth. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, um, okay, moving on. We got to keep the show moving uh, to get to the roundtable, which is basically we're gonna try and cover a whole bunch of topics, and we'll see what what actually what we get time for exactly. But um, briefly, anyways, we've kind of alluded to it already, but the Berlin shows recently that just wrapped up and, uh, and um, I didn't actually, I don't, I'm trying to remember now. I don't think I actually, speaking of Periscope, I don't think I actually got to stream any of the video from one of these. I think I listened to one of the Mixler feeds that was going out, but um, anybody, Sherry, maybe did you, you're obviously tweeting through, <laughs> I think all four of them, right? Did, or did you do? They all blur together. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, it was it was very much a Octane Baby love fest, um, which makes sense. That's where the album was primarily recorded. Um, you you had an audience that was quite receptive to it anyway, and so that was uh, that was the general gist. We were very surprised 
not to have even more Octung Baby songs pop up, to be honest. You know, we were we were sort of expecting for the four nights we would actually finally have Acrobat and just put it to bed and be done and over with. But alas, that was not meant to be. Um, and our friends over uh, at U2 Tour, they had a fantastic fan event at Hansa Studios where everybody got to watch um, From the Sky Down and and they danced and they partied inside of Hansa. So I just wanted to give a shout out to them for, for just being awesome hosts in an awesome city. And I hope that they all had a great time. Yeah. Um, how about uh, Jillian? Did you get to listen or watch any of the Berlin shows? I didn't. Um, I just, I pretty much just like followed through like through Twitter. And it's funny with like, like this tour, like it was when I first heard about Meerkat and Periscope and I'm like, what are these things? And it's like, leave us like YouTube to like introduce me to all of it when it's like, I'm attached to my phone because of like my Twitter addiction and all my social media stuff. But no, I was following through just with, you know, Twitter. And like I said, it's, I love that this tour is kind of really focused on social media because you're going through people's opinions about what they're being played. And it's like, I'm in New York, but the show's going on in Berlin and to like get people's reactions like during the show. And it's like, I love all of that. And I also like, I've been saying like Instagram is like the best thing that happened to you too. Like I'm obsessed with their Instagram account, like the captions, the photos, it's, like like Adam wearing the ABBA shirt. Like I loved oh it. Like I loved I love their their entire account. And if you don't follow them, you like need to follow them. <laughs> yeah. if you, like people who don't have Instagram, it's like the first account you should follow should be YouTube because it's it's great. I'm so happy they're really like into this whole like the meerkat and just the acknowledging Periscope and Instagram. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, I often wonder just on the technology side of how they're actually managing this because is there like a YouTube phone that they all like take turns with or do they have the account signed in on each of their own phones and they're just like careful to not, you know, tweet or post Instagram or whatever some of their own wrong photos or like they want to make sure they're banned photos or is it like an assistant who has the YouTube phone that then they like say, I want to take a picture now. Can I have the camera <laughs> or whatever? <laughs> or just- they might forward pictures of the day right. to whoever's in charge of their social media account and then they get to make make the final judgment that's a more rational uh way of using it probably but uh, i like to think that there's a youtube phone that they argue over and and uh, <laughs> fight over to post stuff too but yeah it is we've talked about that too on the podcast before like it's just so fun that they're sharing a, just a glimpse you know a periodic glimpse into their world and and what's going on and random goofy stuff even the like all of us i'm sure have done noticing something like u2 on the elevator buttons or whatever where they were some at some point uh was a recent photo and uh and just you know taking a picture of that and commenting on it and stuff like that which is you know something that us as fans have all def- definitely done i'm sure so awesome um and yeah it's just u2 instagram.com slash u2 i believe is the url for that but i'll put it in the show notes either way um Moving on, the Global Citizen Festival recently happened, um, and uh, Sherry, you were covering this sort of indirectly or officially, I don't know, but uh, any thoughts, comments? Yeah, so um, everybody who participated in the Global Citizen Festival in New York City, the people who were there in attendance didn't pay for a ticket. They they got in through winning the ticket through doing good deeds on behalf of the globe, being a good global citizen. Um, and they had timed this to 
uh, correspond with the United Nations agreeing on a set of global goals, uh, and that would be at globalgoals.org if you wanted to put that in in the show notes, Chris, uh, that, that by 2030, their goal is to have no extreme poverty, to have zero hunger, to have life on land, reduced inequalities, et cetera, et cetera. So this big festival was to acknowledge all the good work that everybody was doing, as well as to really promote the fact that these goals now exist. And this is what we're moving forward with. Um, Chris Martin of Coldplay has actually agreed to remain a part of this through 2030, which I think is pretty phenomenal. So Bono flew out from Berlin to be there, to be at the UN, um, and to meet with some of the movers and shakers behind the scenes. And then Michelle Obama was up on stage after Beyonce's set. Michelle um, introduced Bono. Bono said a few words, but then he introduced the next generation of global activists, which included four incredible young ladies joined by Malala Yousafzai uh, to talk about the education initiative to try to get the 66 million children who are not receiving an education, especially the girls, to really push in on that particular movement. So it was to energize the crowd, but, you know, it... It, it was really interesting because after watching um, a YouTube presence at these types of, of um, humanitarian or social activism festivals going back to Amnesty International and Live Aid and Self Aid and, and following that progress through the many decades. And now, you know, it, it felt very much like Bono is handing the torch on to the next younger generation to carry it on. And Chris Martin has, has gladly taken it. And mm. you've got these great 18 year olds who are energized and raring to go. And, uh, uh, the ultimate irony was that many, many years ago, Bono said that one day he would just like to be known as a recording artist and not being known as all of these different activists and political changer and all. They just want to be known as a recording artist. Well, what does MSNBC put on their Chiron underneath Bono? Just a recording artist. So I really have to wonder, you know, was that just somebody being lazy or <laughs> was that subliminal? Maybe he is passing the torch. I don't know. Becky, do you have any thoughts about the millennials and, and um, yeah, all that I stuff? I do, I do, because, um, you know, I wasn't very familiar with the Global Citizen Festival, um, except, you know, when I heard that Bono was participating, I went and looked at it more in depth and realized that I knew that Jordan, his oldest daughter, was what, one of the, the senior founding editor, I believe, of Global Citizen. And then uh, Eve also was on one of the committees, I think it was a celebrity committee, uh, where she worked on this event as well. So the way I see it is what he started, his children are carrying on in a very specific fashion. And um, I think there was a, certainly he was happy to go do that, but I'm pretty sure they were also like, you're going to come do this. 
And I think it was kind of a neat thing just to know behind the scenes that his daughters were very involved in this. And it's nice to see this next generation taking over. I, you know, in the, in the parts that I watched, uh, it very much did feel like Bono was just passing the torch. I think that's a good description of it. And I was so excited. If you've never heard Malala speak, she's unbelievable. Um, I, she's amazing. And I think Bono is just wowed by her even, you know, just her presence. And um, it was really great to hear her talk and get the audience going and give them their call to action. And so, um, you know, I think that these younger generations are doing a lot. And I think even if you just look at something, you know, you look at Mark Zuckerberg starting to step up and do more things. And, you know, you talked about Chris Martin. So it's it's nice to see these influential, wealthy people go out there and put their mouths where their money is. And I think it's it's really good. And I look forward to seeing more of that. What I wanted to ask uh, related to some of this, and you sort of touched on it a bit earlier, Becky, is, and it was coming from a question in the chat room, actually, that, from earlier in the chat room that I missed, but I grabbed again here at the beginning, and at the end here is there's been talk amongst diehard fans, I, you know, folks who probably listen to a podcast about you two could be considered diehard fans, about which type of fans you two are trying to target. Two-part question. One, what is your opinion of who the band is trying to reach now? And two, if you personally were in the band, who would you be trying to target? New fans, casual fans, diehards, which I think is a great kind of way of twisting that old U2 argument. Because I remember having this argument with people, sort of U2 fans and friends or whatever back, like Act Tongue Baby or whatever. Like, who are they? You know, new. they want new new fans or they're trying to appease the old fans from war, etc. Um, and so it's sort of this ongoing debate. I'm sure with many other band fandoms as well as you know as they come out with each new album you kind of debate what what artist they're what kind of artist they're trying to be but um maybe jillian starting with you what is your opinion of who the band is trying to reach now with this sort of record and tour i mean definitely not some of my friends but um um i mean i guess we can go back to what we were talking about seeing the types of fans at the shows where you were seeing children you were seeing people in their 20s people my age um people um who listen to you too like from the start i think you know like they're trying to kind of court i guess you know like the younger crowd with the whole like apple deal maybe but i think for me it's like i think they just kind of want to get fans to really kind of listen to like listen to the album and just to be like hey this is like a personal record and you know like taking like uh, it's hard to describe like because I mean because it's weird because I don't um because I live in New York I take the subway so it's when I was home in Jersey like I would drive and I would listen to the radio so it's like I don't listen to the radio anymore I pretty much just listen to what's on my iPod I listen to mostly like you too and mm-hmm. other like certain artists that I really like and I don't really listen to like any like, I couldn't tell you like some of the artists that are out there these days but I think maybe they just want to reach a crowd that's going to appreciate their music and appreciate the effort that they put into concerts. And yeah, it's really hard because you, like it's been said, it's like you either really, really love you two or you absolutely like can't stand them. There really kind of isn't like an in-between. And like, I get annoyed when you see people with, um, it's kind of like a fashion thing where they wear like vintage sort of like band shirts. And it's like, are you really listening to that band? Or are you just kind of making like a statement, like doing that just for like 
like style purposes where you see somebody like Kim Kardashian wearing like a Guns N' Roses shirt and you're like, do you really listen to them, Kim? You know, it's one of those things where I get super defensive if I'll see someone wearing a U2 shirt and I'm like, but do you really understand the music, you know? But yeah, I mean, they definitely reached me and I've been a fan like for a while. Like I was in high school and like everybody I know was listening to like what was hip at the time is like what 2002, but, and here I am listening to a band that's been around since, you know, for like 39 years and yeah. nobody expects that of me. And it's like, when I tell people I'm a U2 fan and yeah, this is like a really funny story. Like when I was at work, it was like months ago. And like, I was talking to somebody about like music and the guy was like, Oh, like what's your favorite band? And I was like, Oh, my favorite band is U2. And he was like, you mean U2 now? And I'm like, is there a difference? <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't know, but it was just kind of like annoying. Oh, I'm really defensive of them. I can't help it. <laughs> that's okay it's good to have uh defenders of youtube all over the world <laughs> Bill, that's an interesting point that you made about kardashian wearing a guns and roses shirt youtube really has not branded their their merchandise in such no. a a uh, mass marketed way that you can walk into a spencer's or a um, Urban Outfitters. Or, or Hot Topic or, or something. Exactly. Insert trendy uh, tween location here. And you can't just, just buy a vintage-looking uh, uh, old-school T-shirt uh, unless you go onto the band's website and go through their particular mm-hmm. uh, music catalog. Mm-hmm. So until they get to that level, which you have with Kiss, you have with Motley Crue, you have with Guns N' Roses, you have with, with a whole variety of other artists, um, Rolling Stones, all of them, until that happens, and I think that that's the point of then they've sold out. So I really have to appreciate the fact that they haven't done that with the mass marketing of their particular brand it makes them really special because it's, you know, you can't go into a store and be like, oh, no, I really want like a U2 shirt. And it's like you can't really find one anywhere unless you go see them live or you're going to go on their website. Whereas if you go to all these other stores, it's every other artist has their face on a shirt. Like it's really easy for me to get a Lady Gaga shirt. But if I wanted to get like a really cool U2 um, like I have a U2, like a Joshua Tree like tour shirt. And it was like a special edition that I got when I saw them at the garden back in 2005 and it was what they put out. It's like, you can't get the it. The last anywhere. time, the last time mm-hmm. I walked into a store and now I'm going to date myself. The last time I walked into a store and I was able to buy a U2 t-shirt off the rack was at JC Penny in 1989. Yes. And they were like, like <laughs> I there was were a ton of Joshua tree tour shirts <laughs> that didn't sell. And I guess they just shipped them off to retail and that's how I started my my very past T-shirt collection. Them and Burning Airlines out of New Jersey. That 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 was the main U.S. marketing outlet where you could buy any and all rock and roll memorabilia back in the late '80s. But I digress. Wow. In the, in the chat room, <laughs> pop music mofo says there is a war shirt at their local Hot Topic. I don't know what oh, Hot Topic. No. Oh no! So maybe go get it. Go get it. <laughs> I think you should uh, pop music mofo. You should Instagram or whatever you want to do <laughs> picture of it sometime next. If you're in there again right. uh, to the ask at you two hashtag and, and uh, we, just so we can have a verification of you two selling out. And we oh, can they're move breaking on to my band. heart. They're breaking my heart. <laughs> <friend>. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. But uh, 
We digress. I think we'll have to uh, we'll have to save part two of the if you were in the band question. Well, who would you be trying to target uh, for another episode of the podcast? Because we've run full time. I think is how you say it. Um, sure, you put one note in there. I just wanted to touch on quickly that song for someone is at number twenty three on the adult pop song Billboard chart, number twenty four on adult contemporary Billboard chart, and Media Base is at number twenty one on adult contemporary and number twenty two on hot adult contemporary. If I've got that right, is that correct? Yes, you. Perfect. I said that all. Read the read the words correctly and recited them. Good. I can still do that at nine thirty at night. You can read good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I just wanted to mention too one one thing I noticed in the chat room. Uh, where is it? Mount Mount Temple Four said uh, I'm I'm most definitely the only mom in the car line streaming Berlin U two shows through the car stereo via Mixler, <laughs> which I think we can all appreciate the uh, the oddness that people might get like and and just the crazy awesomeness like I was saying earlier of the fact that you can even do that that most people who are are kind of unaware of some of this tech. Uh, that's available to them to listen to bands and stuff wherever they happen to be in the world. So um, we touched, I just wanted to go around the round table quickly just to see, because I know Jillian, you mentioned this. Are you, you said you have a YouTube show in Dublin that you're going to? Yeah, I'm going to, um, other stops? I'm going to um, three and four. And Becky, you said, sadly, you're in my boat with no <laughs> Dublin on your. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I did the New York trip and I was uh, in the lucky audience that got to see Adam and Edge come and play at our party. So I feel pretty good about not being able to make Dublin only because of that. So The party that shall not be named. Yes. Um, <laughs> and Sherry, how about I'm you? I'm living the dream. I'll be there for two and three. All right. Well, Becky, you and I will be. Yeah. And a few other folks, I'm sure, back holding down the fort here in North America. Yeah, we're going to need somebody well, to run the social media stream while while we're all out there. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that. So y'all just be Offline, making sure you, you have lots of periscopes going. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to have no Wi-Fi because I'm in a foreign country. So <laughs> I'm out. We'll, we'll hit up our Irish team for that. Uh, and a couple of uh, things just in terms of what's coming up on the podcast. Uh, there's a Q article that's out this week, or it will be hitting stores this week, I think, is, if I understand correctly, dates and times and things like that. Your um, local Barnes & Noble outlets in North America. That's pretty much the only place where you'll find Q nowadays, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, with a great interview with them, and uh, as yeah, as that hits, we'll obviously links and stuff will be posted to at youtube dot com. And um, we also mentioned this in the last episode. We'll another thing for a bit of a planned segment of a program of the uh, po- podcast coming up is this sort of YouTube bucket list items, things that you want to do before you you kick the bucket. Oh my gosh, I love it. Or <laughs> we're really related to you too, and it doesn't even have to be like a you know obviously like seeing the band in Dublin would be a, a common theme i'm sure that somebody some people are going to get to check off this year but it could be like listen to the band somewhere or be able to do something related to you two uh that you would love to do as part of sort of your bucket list and so you can send in audio you can send youtube links if you have a video of it or whatever and we'll be sure to link to that all for in a future episode um you can send emails of the details whether it's a written story audio like i said links to something webmaster at at youtube.com is where you can send those. Just put subject line YouTube bucket list, and we'll we'll make sure to categorize it for a future episode. We'd love to have, uh, and we have loved having listener engagement and involvement with, um, like we mentioned earlier, the Ask at YouTube hashtag. It's been awesome and so much fun. Makes the podcast that much more fun. We'd probably still do it, but it makes it that much more fun to do, knowing that there's folks out there who are listening and uh, sending in questions, sending in comments, 
correcting us when we're wrong and uh definitely uh, calling Matt on things that he said in the past. We are so thankful to all of you. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, oh, we just, one other thing, somebody tweeted me just before, just as we were recording here, uh, every breaking wave or not tweeted me, the YouTube account tweeted this. Every breaking wave for YouTube has been nominated for best cinematography and video at camera image fest. So, uh, which is very yeah, cool for that. Yeah. Over 400, uh, submissions were um, were put up for nomination, and only twenty were were chosen. So, best of luck on that. That's um, exciting. Yeah. Which uh, version of the video was that? That's the I believe the full fourteen minute. Okay. I'm pulling awesome. up up the website right now. If you. Well, while Sherry's doing that, I'll tell you how you can follow along. If you visit, uh, if you want to listen to this episode or previous episodes of the show, goodstuff.fm slash at U2, A-T-U-2. The Twitter handle for the at U2 account is twitter.com slash A-T-U-2. And uh, like we've said many times, hashtag ask at U2 is where you can send in questions, comments, corrections. Stump M2 is the other hashtag. That's sort of the junior hashtag for the podcast. If you want to send in a question that you're trying to stump Matt with on a future episode when he returns to the program. He hasn't, uh, we didn't address that. Matt isn't on the episode, um, but it's just because he's away at uh, day job stuff. That's right. uh, He'll be back. Uh, Yes. We haven't fired him yet. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) the festival's closing ceremony is on Saturday, November 21st. Um, Some of the competition includes Florence and the Machines, What Kind of Man? Um, Let's see here. Imagine Dragons, I Bet My Life, Kendrick Lamar, All Right. Um, of Monsters and Men, Empire, uh, Pharrell Williams, Freedom. There's a whole bunch here that I can't pronounce. Um, Rihanna, bitch better have my money. Um, Snoop Dogg, so many pros and uh, a whole bunch of others. So there's some pretty good competition, but I think every breaking wave, and I might be a little biased here, might just take it home. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Uh, Okay. And last one is facebook.com slash atu2com. All one word is where you can find the show or all the, the website and everything related to at u2.com on the Facebooks if you do that. Going around the table, thanks again to Jillian. Is there, do you want to give out a Twitter handle, a website, a thing you want to share with the folks if they're, they want more Jill? Oh my gosh, everybody probably wants more Jill after this. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you can um, find me on Twitter. I am beautifulday36. Um, my account is private, but if you promise to not be a creeper, I will let you follow me. <laughs> I've I've had some really bad online dating kind of experiences. So with like creepers, so I'm just a little hesitant, but no, it's, if you're just a chill YouTube fan, you could totally follow me. There you go. How about you? Um, at B Myers on Twitter and it's M Y E R S. And, uh, you can also find me on Instagram too, even though I'm, I'm, um, private, just come find me under Becky Myers. And if you're a YouTube fan, I like to follow back. Sweet. And uh, Sherry, how you about you? You can always find me at at YouTube.com Sherry. And I am uh, iChris on Twitter. I was going to make a Matt McGee joke, but I don't have a... What's it? What's Matt's Twitter handle? Matt2? No. no. M2? No, it's Did just get that? Matt, it's McGee? Matt McGee or at U2. <laughs> I've locked him, so I did, that's why I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm going to get in sort of trouble. Okay, uh, I better stop. So thank you all for listening. Uh, if you have time and, and are, are so inclined, a rating or review on iTunes is a great way to help out the show, get out there to more fans and potential fans of you too. Maybe there's a Jillian-like person out there 
scrolling through the podcast section on iTunes and they'll see the YouTube podcast logo and think, I should listen to that. I wonder if it has any ratings or reviews. Your rating or review could be the thing that turns the tide and brings them to YouTube fandom, as it were. You could be responsible for a new generation of fan. No pressure. There you go. (laughs) So it has to be five stars, but no pressure. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.